just talk to you a little bit about some sermon series that are coming up. We are currently in a series called Supernatural. The first sermon in that series was called The Pathway to Power. We just concluded that last Sunday. If you'd like to hear those messages, all you have to do is go to our website at whitleychurch.com and click on Media and you'll find uh, the podcast there where you can just listen to those messages absolutely free if you miss those. If you'd like to buy them in a CD format, there's a table out in the foyer where you can order CDs of the messages. Um, I am beginning a series on marriage in the month of February, so I'll be talking about uh, how to have a a healthy marriage and a happy home, and... um, Following up that series, um, I am going to do a series of messages on the topic of hell. I'm going to be talking about a forgotten truth, something that isn't talked about or taught on or mentioned in many churches today. And uh, somebody wanted to know kind of why I was going to do marriage and then right after that something on hell. And I thought, well, I didn't plan it that way. Um, So it looks like that'll be uh, the way that'll go. And then following that series, I'm going to do a series, and we don't have uh, formal titles for these yet. The creative team is working on that. Uh, I'm going to do a series on um, a healthy church. What is a healthy church? And we're going to go through some some characteristics of a healthy church, okay? And then in the summer, um, when we come around into June, July, and August, I'll be doing a series the entire summer on the 23rd Psalm. So those are some things that uh, are are on the calendar, and we hope you'll uh, note them and and pray about those uh, series. Pray that the Lord will help me and and give me what he would have me to say and teach. Um, We are um, actually beginning a 21-day fast beginning today. And so for 21 days, we're asking you not to eat or drink anything. So just test your faith, see how much you love God. Um, actually, that's not true. Um, we have available for you a calendar that you can pick up on your way out. Yours won't be blue. I, I printed this one off this morning. Um, but you'll pick that up. We have them at all the exits We have them at the Guest Welcome Center. And let me tell those of you who are visiting with us today, before you leave, go back here in the overflow seating area to our Guest Welcome Center and pick up your gift and information bag and also pick up one of these packets, one per household. Now, a lot of churches, um, and I'm not being critical, uh, but I'm just stating a fact, a lot of churches do not talk about fasting. Um... But we talk about that here. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about it in a series of messages beginning today. What I want you to do is get this calendar and look at it, and you can pick a day or two per week in these 21 days uh, where you will fast. And uh, there are some suggestions on what you might include in your uh, fast. Uh, There are... um, There are fasts that include just fruits and vegetables. There are fasts that include just juices and liquids. Um, You can fast one meal a day. I mean, you may have never fasted before. So here's what I want you to do. Inside your worship program, there is a website, awake21.org. We are joining with about 300 other churches who are doing this. 
And um, I, I got to tell you guys, and this is, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound super spiritual here or anything, but this um, message on fasting was already planned before I even knew about this Awake 21. So God is in this. This is a God thing. And so I, I would encourage you uh, to get involved. Listen carefully. If you need a breakthrough in your life, if you need a breakthrough in your relationship with your children, or maybe you've got a child who is just, um, you don't know what to do, and you've, you've just really done everything you know to do, if you've got a marriage that you've tried everything and it just isn't working, if you um, financially are just having some problems and you've done everything, you're obeying God and you're giving, but you can't get that breakthrough there, if you're having uh, difficulty emotionally, maybe with depression or unforgiveness or anger because of an injustice that's been done to you in the past and your inability to put that behind you just keeps you from really going where you want to go with God. Listen, any kind of stronghold, any kind of, of just barrier that you've been battling with, um, Fasting could very well be the key to that breakthrough, and I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you that today in the lesson. Now, on this website, matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, as you're exiting today, if you could let the people who maybe aren't computer savvy or don't have uh, computers, don't do the internet thing, let them pick these up so they'll have them. Those of you who have computers and printers and you go online, if you could go and print yours out yourself, that would be very helpful to us. Just go to awake21.org, and this calendar is there. There are resources there, and if you want to get into the church resources, the and you might want to jot this down, the username is my name, Farrell, and the password is God's Will. So Farrell and God's Will will get you into the church resource area. Um, there is uh, tabs at the top of the page that will give you all kind of books, video, sermons on fasting. Listen, there's no reason for you not to understand fasting and, and understand what it's there for um, and what, why God even mentioned it or, or brought it into our lives as a discipline. So we can't claim ignorance about fasting anymore. I often have people come up and go, you know, I just never fast because I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know what it means. And um, it's very simple. Also on that website is this. Y'all remember uh, Dr. Bill Bright? You remember that name? One of the greatest men who ever lived, Campus Crusade for Christ. Bill Bright wrote this document on how to begin your fast. And it is one of the most practical and brief um, documents on fasting and how to get ready and what fasting is all about. And also um, it has uh, prayer, how to, what your prayer ought to look like, sort of the structure of a good prayer. It talks about what six vital questions about prayer. Oh, and then this little section right here. I almost didn't share this with you guys because there's a lot of sermon material in here, but God convicted me about that. Um, so how to experience and maintain personal renewal. Anybody want to know how to experience personal renewal and maintain it? Anybody interested in that? And so there it is right there on that website. Awake21.org is one of the most um, 
uh, meaty, if I can use that word, meaty, and uh, it's just got a lot of good, good, good material on there. As a matter of fact, we're going to show a video clip of one of the pastors who is leading this movement. It's just about a minute long, so let's watch that clip, guys, if you're ready. We're so excited that you guys are participating with nearly 300 other churches that have nearly 300,000 people in weekend attendance in this season of prayer and fasting that we're calling Awakening. Just imagine what God's going to do in our own lives, our churches, our communities, as 300,000 people seek Him through prayer and fasting to start the year. It's going to set a supernatural tone for the entire year as we align ourselves with what God wants to do in our lives. I encourage you to believe God for great things because He's going to do great things in your life. God bless you. So when I was trying to decide what I would call this sermon series, I I went over several titles in my mind, and I thought about uh, the title, um, Is Fasting for Today? And I thought that was a pretty good title, and then I I, I considered uh, the title, uh, Should You Fast? And then I considered the title, Should We Fast? And then I settled on the title, because all those kind of seemed inadequate, let's just bring it home. Should I? fast. And I hope you'll ask yourself that question because what I want us to do is investigate God's word and then, and then ask ourselves that question. Let's look at what Jesus said. Let's look at what the Bible says. And then let's determine if fasting is something we ought to do. Now, I know you all are very excited about this. I can look at you and tell. And I know if you're visiting today and you're thinking, you know, the playoffs are this afternoon and you had chicken wings lined up and pizza and all kind of stuff. And you're like, now the pastor's saying, watch all those games with, uh, without all that stuff, you know, eat some dirt or celery or something. And um, actually, you don't have to fast every day. And when I saw that the very first day was on the playoffs day, I thought, well, I won't do it that day. That was just my decision. And so you guys do whatever you want to, but I'm going to, and, and, and there's some preparation that needs to be done for fasting. And that material is in the handout that you'll either pick up today or those of you who, who can get on the internet and print it out, I hope you'll do that for me. Um, look at how you get ready for fasting. Because I want to tell you, you can't really just go, hey, I think I'll fast tomorrow all day. That's a great idea. I'll just do that. I mean, you can do that, but it's really better to look into the future and set aside some time and get ready for that. And all of that information is there uh, in uh, the material on that website and also in some of the teaching that I'll be giving you uh, in this series. So... um, Pick some days, take that calendar, you and your spouse sit down, take that calendar and go ahead and look at some days when you're not, when you're not under a lot of pressure or when you're not invited to some luncheon on your job or something like that. Just look at some days that you're going to be kind of free and clear to just fast without being noticed because we're going to talk about that today. You don't want to draw attention to yourself during a fast and so that's really important. 
Uh, This message is not addressed to whom it may concern. This message is addressed to you. This series is addressed to you. This series, this sermon even this morning is addressed to me. Because what I'm going to share with you today is not my word, it is God's word. So we'll look at it and I'm hoping you'll join me as we look into the mirror of God's word and just ask ourselves, should I fast? Let's begin reading in Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Mark 2 and 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along in the Bible you have if you would like to. Uh, Mark 2, 18. John's disciples and the Pharisees sometimes fasted. So John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, had um, uh, people who followed him. And then there were the Pharisees who followed themselves. And then there were followers of Jesus. And the ones who followed John the Baptist were actually followers of Jesus too, but they had just become accustomed to John the Baptist, kind of like a pastor, and so they were following him and they believed all his teachings. And what did John the Baptist teach? That there is one coming who is greater than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to bend down and lace his shoes or buckle his sandals, and he was talking about Jesus. So... so. Um, Uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees sometimes fasted. So one day some people came to Jesus and asked, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while they're with the groom, but someday... He will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Okay, we'll talk about what that means in just a minute. So why am I going to take several Sundays to talk about fasting? Here's why I am doing it. Because I want to be very honest with you all this morning and tell you that I believe that we are a generation. We are a church. We are a people that are in great and desperate need. Ladies and gentlemen... We need a move of God. We need a move of God in our individual hearts. We need a move of God in this church. We need a move of God at the bridge. We need a move of God that gets us out of our comfort and out onto the street. I hope you got that video. I hope you got it. That bucket was full of your blessings that God pours into your life. And as we fast and as we give and as we pray, we are to understand that we are to pour that bucket out and then sit it right back down and let God begin to fill it up again. And when it's full, we pour it back out again on others. That's what God's plan for the church is. And so um, we are in desperate need. And, and, and a lot of... Um, A lot of people don't see that. A lot of churches don't see that. I want us to be a church who recognizes our total dependency on the power and the presence and the provision of Almighty God. Do you all understand today that without Him, we are nothing? And without Him, we will accomplish nothing. It does not matter Uh, how uh, the pastor or others who stand up here may have the ability to uh, speak or uh, have great oratory. It does not matter about all our fancy technology. It does not matter about our, our nice building and our padded pews. And God is not impressed by any of that. 
God is moved by the heart of a church, by our heart. And I believe that your heart and my heart is to not sit here and just celebrate every Sunday morning, but come and celebrate here on Sunday morning what God has been doing Monday through Saturday and how God has been changing lives. A successful church, a church that is healthy, is a church that is producing, through God's power, changed lives. Let's look at another uh, passage in the Bible from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, and beginning with verse 14. When they returned to the crowds again, a man came and knelt in front of Jesus. Now listen, listen to what this man says. Uh, the, the disciples came back where the crowd was, and this man came and just fell down before the Lord. He said, Lord, do have pity on my son, he said, for he is a lunatic. Have you all ever prayed that for one of your children? God, please have mercy on my child. They are a lunatic. I mean, I saw that and thought, man, I've prayed that one. Um, This actually meant uh, that he was demon-possessed. He was possessed by a demon. And you might be saying today, you know, that that, you don't believe in all that and and all that stuff. Well, the only reason we even bring that up is because it's true. So let's read on. Lord, do, do you um, do have pity? Lord, do have pity on my son, he said, for he is a lunatic and is in a terrible state. Must have been in California. Okay. Uh, I'm just, that's a joke right there. I love California. Um, he is always falling into the fire or into the water. I did bring him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. And Jesus, man, he does not hold back right here. Jesus goes, you really are an unbelieving and difficult people. Jesus returned. How long must I be with you? (laughs) And how long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus reprimanded the evil spirit. And it went out of the boy And he was cured from that moment. Afterwards, the disciples approached Jesus privately and asked, Why weren't we able to get rid of it? Because you have so little faith, replied Jesus. I assure you, listen to this word of Jesus to his followers. Are we his followers this morning? Listen, I assure you that if you have as much faith as a grain of mustard seed. Have you all ever seen a grain of mustard seed? A grain of mustard seed is like maybe a tiny bit bigger than a grain of sand. It's very tiny. He said, I assure you that if you have as much faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this heel, up you get and move over there and it will move. You will find that nothing is impossible. However, this kind, now now when Jesus said, However, this kind, he meant however, this kind of demonic power. And, and so, so this tells us here that there are kinds of demonic powers. And, and I, I don't know what your background is, and, and I don't know where you... Here's what I find uh, about the doctrine of demons in, in most Christians... Either they don't even want to talk about it or act like it isn't there and, and just say that isn't for today and we don't face that kind of stuff today, that's for another day. 
or a lot of them see a demon behind every bush. And they blame everything on demons. They have Flip Wilson theology. Y'all remember what Flip Wilson used to say? Exactly. The devil made me do it. We got some old people here today, so that's great. Um, Because the young people are going, Flip, what? You know, they don't know who he is. And I got to tell you, all it just breaks my heart because I have so many Barney Fife illustrations and, and nobody knows who Barney Fife is. I mean, it's just breaking my heart. I wept over that for several days. Um, so we want to blame stuff on the devil. And y'all heard about the lady who, her and her husband, were trying to get their financial life together. And so they made a pact that they would not spend over a certain amount of money without talking to each other. And that's a good policy, actually. Where, where if you find something you want to buy, if it's over a certain amount, you have to call your spouse and say, listen, I found this. I really think it's a good deal, but what do you think? And both of you have to agree before you can buy something. That's a great, that's a great deal, a great thing to have as a couple. Um, but she came home one day, and she had bought a dress that was way beyond the amount that they had agreed on, and he had not gotten a call. And she began to cry, and she said, I, I'm so sorry. She said, the devil just came on me and made me buy that dress. He said, why didn't you say, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. And he said, it looked good from back there, too. So just... So, so I don't want to blame everything on the devil. We're not here to blame everything on demons. And I got to tell you, I hear that quite a bit. Hey, sometimes we sin just because we chose to. Matter of fact, every time you sin, it's just because you chose to. You can't go, you know, this demon man's been greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world if you know Christ as your personal Savior. So, so there has to be a balance on the teaching about demons. But Jesus here is saying to us that there are kinds of demons that will not be delivered from a person unless the persons praying for that individual have been praying what? And fasting. So that tells me, and our series is Supernatural, and I was so glad this video clip that y'all saw from Awakening uh, has just been produced. We hadn't even seen it, and I just loved right in the middle of it. He said, supernatural. Did y'all notice that? I know y'all did because y'all so attentive. Um, he said, supernatural. And um, because, see, I believe that fasting will usher in the supernatural. And, and some of you have been stuck. Did you, did you listen to that video? Some of you are stuck. I mean, you love Jesus, and, and if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. And I'm not doubting your walk with God, but you're just kind of stuck spiritually. And you're stuck on some, some issues and some things in your life. And I'm telling you, I believe, I believe what God wants me to say to you today is that if you will buy into this whole idea of fasting and you will buy into what he said right there, some things are not going to break loose. Some things are not going to... Uh, uh, come out. Some things are not going to uh, be torn down. Uh, some freedoms are not going to be granted in your life until you mix prayer with fasting. Are y'all with me out there this morning? So how does God measure our prayers? I mean, how, what kind of prayer could I pray or what kind of prayer could you pray that God would go, that was awesome. I mean, wouldn't you like to hear a prayer? Uh, wouldn't you like to know what a prayer would be like that God would say, now that's praying right there. 
I think sometimes we, we judge our prayers by how eloquent they are. Well, God isn't into eloquence. I can tell you that right now. Sometimes I think uh, we, we um, believe God is impressed by how long they are. Can I tell you all something? If you're asked to pray over a meal, would you just bless the food and say amen? Can I just get you to do that for me? We'll get Aunt Lucille's messed up knee next week when we pray. When you're asked to pray over a meal, bless that food, thank God for it, and let's... Mm, Amen? Y'all with me on that? A little common sense right there. I, honest to goodness, I heard about a group, I think my mom and dad might have been in that group, went on a um, missions trip, and they asked this pastor to pray before a meal on the missions trip, and he prayed an hour. I, I'm going to tell you something. In about the fourth or fifth minute, I would have been into some whatever they had there. And by the time he said amen, I'd have been taking my nap. I'm just telling you. You say, well, you're not spiritual. Well, all right, I'll take that. But I, I ain't standing there while some dude, I mean, just say up to the lip, over the gun, look out stomach, here it comes in Jesus' name, amen. So God isn't impressed by how long our prayers are. Uh, you know, some people think uh, he judges how sweet they are. Oh, that's so sweet. Or how argumentative they are. You know, a lot of people actually think, you know, people like that who think, I've got the reason why I'm asking for this. And they think literally that they can pray a prayer that God's going to go, whoa, I never thought about that right there now. That's, so I wasn't going to do that for you, but man, you have brought us some awesome points. We're going to roll with it since you... God isn't impressed by how argumentative. And then we get into posture. We think, uh, well, if I'm on my knees, it's better, or if I'm on my face, it's better, or, or if I'm standing up, it's better. i got to tell you that posture really doesn't matter to God, but I will tell you this about posture. Posture helps me. When I pray, it helps me get on my face in my heart if I get on my face with my body. Okay, does that make sense? And sometimes, I mean, I just do things in my private prayer time. You know, I told you all that last Sunday. I just do things to get myself inside. I will do things outside to get myself inside where it needs to be. I mean, the, the dancing before the Lord last week like a little boy. That's what my little boys used to do. You know, when I'd come home from, I used to be an evangelist, and I would travel for uh, weeks at the time, and I wouldn't see my family. And when I would come home, uh, Brandon and Mitch would be like, you know, like this, and they would just be jumping and and what they wanted me to do was just take them in my arms and sometimes when I pray I just want him to scoop me up <clears throat> I just want him to scoop me up and so I'll do a little thing like that when I'm you say that looks kind of weird I wasn't doing it for you I was doing it for him amen okay so so Posture doesn't matter in the sense that God tries to see what you do physically with your body when you pray. But, but I'll tell you, what you do sometimes with your body will translate to how you really are on the inside. So if you're having a hard time just really getting humble with God when you pray and getting down to it, get down on the floor. Put your face in that carpet and it'll do it to your heart sometimes. It'll, does that make sense? <clears throat> so God isn't moved by 
long prayers and eloquent, sweet, argumentative, knees, face, standing. Sometimes I walk when I pray. What God looks for, I believe, in an effective prayer, two things. I think God looks for fervency and faith. I think God looks for fervency and faith because God does business with people who mean business. And if I were to ask you, do you pray, you'd probably say, yes, I do. And i got to tell you all something. I believe everybody in this room prays. I believe every one of you pray. Here's the problem with our prayers. Sometimes they're mumbled. And sometimes they are easily uttered and soon forgotten. And our prayers become repetitious. And we've memorized some spiritual words and and we're not praying from our heart, we're praying from our head, and we're praying things we've just memorized. I love what one guy said. He said, many Christians give without sacrifice. They give without sacrifice. They witness without tears. Is it any wonder that we pray without power? I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that God's people should fast. Now, I want you to listen to me because I want to I wanna create a balance here Uh, because humans have a tendency when they go into something like a fast to become sanctimonious. I'm fasting. You know, they don't say they're fasting, but they look different, act different, walk different. You know, they kind of got a voice. Sounds like they swallowed a steeple, you know. You ever notice that about people when they're just, hey, come on, man, just be yourself. Just be yourself. You shouldn't do anything during a fast that would make people go, what's up with you, man? Darn, I can't talk about it. See, you just did. Just be who you are. Don't do anything um, that would make you appear to be another person. Um, When I thought about Jesus and his daily life on earth, I I wrote down some things. Um, One of the things I noticed about Jesus is that he never turned down an invitation to dinner. Praise God. Praise God. He never did. Every time he got invited out to eat, he goes, I'll be there what time? I love that about Jesus. Another thing about Jesus I love is Jesus loved to party. I know it's hard to say amen to that, but he did. Jesus loved parties. First thing Jesus ever did after uh, entering into his adult ministry was go to a wedding. Y'all remember that? What did they do at that wedding? Ran out of? Jesus said, no problem. Turn the water into wine. You heard about the highway patrolman pulled over the fella because he thought he was drinking? And the fella said, I'm not drinking. I'm not. The highway patrolman said, I think you are. He said, I promise I'm not drinking. He said, what's that right beside you? He said, it's water. He said, let me see it. And he handed it to him. It was wine. He said, he said this is wine. He said, Lord Jesus, done done it again. <laughs> <clears throat> So he went to parties. You know what I believe about Jesus, guys? Listen, and if this isn't true about you, you need to change. Jesus had a joyful countenance. Jesus didn't look like an old sour puss. And I'll tell you something, man. I've been to churches that, uh, I've said this many times before, but people looked like when they got baptized, it was either in lemon juice or vinegar. You've seen those people? 
Got that sour look on their face. Jesus didn't have that. Matter of fact, uh, in Hebrews 1 and 9, a lot of people don't even know about this verse. Don't even think about it. I want you to know in, in Hebrews 1 and 9, the Bible says that God the Father poured out the oil of joy on Jesus more than on anyone else. You say, well, how do you know Jesus was all joyful? I know that children love to crawl up all over him and crawl on his lap and and, and I think in that picture in the Bible when that was going on, I think Jesus was just laughing and Jesus was just throwing his head back. Jesus may have even fallen down on the ground as the kids were just wrestling with him and loving on him and kissing him. I don't know what you know about children, but children are not drawn to a sour person. They're drawn to a happy, joyful person. And they were drawn to Jesus. Jesus was so joyful and possessed such a strong social consciousness that he was accused of being a glutton and a wine-bibber. In Luke 7, 34, it says, but because the Son of Man goes around eating and drinking, you say Jesus eats and drinks too much. You even accuse him. You say he is even a friend of sinners. Amen, amen to that. Can we just be honest here today? I got some sinners who treat me a lot nicer than some Christians. Or so-called. My point in giving you all this information is to bring balance to this area. I don't want you to have a one-sided view of Jesus in this teaching on fasting. So let's go back to our text. The crowd is asking Jesus, John the Baptist, uh, his disciples fast, the Pharisees fast. Why don't you and your disciples fast? And Jesus comes back with, you have the bridegroom with you. Who was the bridegroom? Jesus. Jesus said, you have the bridegroom with you. I'm the bridegroom and I'm here with you. Now is not the time to fast, but when the bridegroom is taken away from you, it is then time to fast. Well, boys and girls, the bridegroom is not with us anymore in the sense that he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He has ascended into heaven. And so guess what? Now is the time to fast. Right now. Because he's not with us anymore in that same sense. The outline of this message is simple. We're going to talk about the who of fasting, the what of fasting, the why of fasting, and the how of fasting. And today we'll talk about the who very quickly. I know what time it is. They were also, the who was a great rock group, but that's not what I'm talking about. The who of fasting. So I was a heathen before I came to Jesus. But I know good rock and roll when I hear it. All right. <clears throat> Some visitors are going, this is it, honey, our last time. We're not coming. Uh, Mark 2.20. Mark 2.20, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Look at this, look at this. And then they will fast. Who is they? Who is they? They, uh, in that verse, were his disciples. The disciples will fast. He says, so we're his disciples. We're his followers. We are the they in that verse. Y'all with me? And then he begins in Mark 6 and 2, and he says, he says he's going to talk about three things. He says, when you give a gift to someone in need... Don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. He said, I assure you, they've received all the reward they're going to ever get. He said, so when you give to the poor, you ought to give to the poor, but do it discreetly. Don't give to the poor and then advertise it. Then he talks about prayer in Matthew 6 and 5. He says, and now about prayer. When, not if, but when, when you pray... And he said, when you give, so it wasn't if there either. 
It was when you give, now he's saying when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. He said, I assure you, this is all the reward they will ever get. Jesus is not saying here that we ought not to pray publicly. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't pray publicly to be seen of men or to be heard by men. Don't pray for that reason. Don't do your private devotions in public. Do your private devotions in private. Don't pray in an attempt in a public setting to get people to see how spiritual you are. Jesus said, don't do it. Then Jesus talks about a third thing, fasting. Look what it says in Matthew 6, 16. And when, not if you fast, but when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do who try to look pale. The the hypocrites, the Pharisees, actually painted their face white with actual white paint stuff. I don't know what, lucite. And they paint their face white so that people would know they were fasting. So Jesus said, don't do that. Don't look pale and disheveled so people will admire you for fasting. I assure you that's all the reward you will get. So Jesus assumes that if you are a Christian, you will fast from time to time. He assumes you're going to fast. So are we to give to the poor? Yes. Are we to pray? Yes. Are we to fast? Absolutely. It is very important to note this. And I've got to bring this sermon into a close. Jesus presupposes that a Christian is going to be generous. So if you're not generous, you're missing what Jesus assumed you were going to do when you got saved. When you asked Jesus into your heart, Jesus assumed that you were going to become generous. You were going to be like him. If you're not praying, if you're not praying regularly, you're breaking God's heart because he assumed that when he forgave your sins and came into your heart, you were going to talk to him on a regular basis. He assumed it. But not just giving and not just praying because we preach on that and churches talk about that all the time. But we talk very little about fasting. But Jesus put fasting on the same level, ladies and gentlemen, with tithing. Jesus put fasting on the same level of tithing and he put fasting on the same level of praying. Yet the church doesn't put that emphasis there. So I'm calling on you today. I'm calling on you. Let's do this. Let's do this thing, guys. Get that calendar. Get that material on that website. Set yourself, set yourself to learn about fasting and let's do this thing for the glory of God. Are y'all with me this morning? I am your pastor. I am not a perfect man. I have sinned in my life and I've had to ask people to forgive me and I've had to ask God to forgive me. I do not stand before you this morning as a perfect man, but I do stand before you this morning as your pastor and I am calling this church to a fast and I'm asking you to join me. Let's fast. Would you stand to your feet this morning and would you walk up here to this altar? Would you walk up here this morning with me very quickly? John Wesley said, when you seek God with fasting and prayer, you cannot seek his face in vain. The great theologian John Calvin fasted until his prayers were answered and he almost saw the entire city of Geneva come to faith in Christ because of his fasting. Jonathan Edwards, do you all remember him? 
What was the name of that famous sermon he preached? Come on in tight, guys, so everybody can get up. What was that famous sermon he preached? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. I thought about doing a series on that. Put a big banner out there, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yo, come on in. You know, that'd, that'd get their attention, wouldn't it? Listen, let me tell you about Jonathan Edwards. He couldn't see well. When he read that sermon, and he read it, he didn't, he didn't get up here and do the way I do, moving around, dramatic, using humor. He held the notes like right here because he couldn't see well. And when he got through reading that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, people held on to the pews and held on to the pillars of the church because they felt like they were slipping into hell. The power of God was on this man because he was a man who fasted. And when he spoke, he spoke with great anointing and great power. Charles Grandison Finney, you ought to read his revival lectures. Go online and put in Charles Grandison Finney revival lectures and you can read them. He had the power of God on him in a remarkable way and he wrote that when he would feel his spiritual strength ebbing away, he would stop what he was doing and set aside two or three days in the future and maybe the next week to fast. He knew fasting kept him where he needed to be with God. He knew fasting led to breakthrough. Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, was a man who fasted and wrote about fasting. Listen to me. If John Wesley needed to fast, if John Calvin needed to fast, if Jonathan Edwards needed to fast, if Martin Luther needed to fast, if Charles Grandison Finney needed to fast, if Jesus needed to fast, you think we might need to fast? That's the who of fasting. It is us. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we receive your call to fast. We accept your call upon this church to fast. And I know there are some who do not understand it, but all they have to do is read the material. All they have to do is go online to awake21.org. All the teaching they need on fasting is right there. They don't have to wait till the series is over. Right now, Father, they can learn what they need to know and begin to offer up sacrifices of selflessness to you. We receive your call. Let it lead, and we know it will because you've promised it. But let this fasting lead to breakthrough in our church. Let this fasting lead to breakthrough in individual lives. May there be testimonies of miracles and the working of the supernatural as we fast before our God. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you so much.